What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. How's everybody doing? Good. Really? That's it? (laughs) Wow. I know it's Wednesday, guys. We're halfway there. You got to give me more than that. You got hope. Friday's coming. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, it is good to see everybody, even if you're not happy to be here. So to our online audience, I'm Pastor Brett, the associate pastor here at Next Level Freedom Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We encourage you to come down and visit us if you are in the area, 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays and 10 o'clock now on Sunday mornings. So we're going to continue on in our series that we've literally just started last week. I'm sorry, Anna, but... uh, we have been talking about the blood of Jesus, and last week it was really an overview. Uh, we talked, you know, we went through a lot of scriptures about the blood of Christ. We talked about how um, a lot of churches are, are are steering away from it in their worship. They don't sing songs about the blood. There's Bible translations that took the has taken the blood of Jesus out, and we're really we're talking about the importance of the blood. And really, everything—it's—it's it's about the blood, amen. It's—it's it's about what he did. If it wasn't for the blood, then what is there? There's nothing. So uh, today we're going to be talking about the blood of Jesus is a sacrifice. So we're going to be starting in Genesis 22. We're going to talk a little bit. We're going to do a little bit of reading. Uh, Genesis 22. We're going to talk about Abraham. We're going to start in verse one, and we're going to go to 13. So I got to do a little reading. So y'all bear with me. Don't leave. All right, we'll get to we'll get to the preaching. Just gotta, but we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, how you can see you can see uh, the the story of Jesus and the cross and everything in this. And I know most of you have read this, but I want us to take a look at it anyway because it, it is very important. So uh, Genesis twenty two, verse one, and it says, "After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am." That right there should be, that's a message in itself, isn't it? That's how we should, we should react whenever God calls us. But verse 2, he said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to a place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and will worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand and took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both so they both, so went both of them together. All right, right about now, Isaac's like, uh, what you doing, Dad? <laughs> What's up? What's up? But you notice that 
we don't read in the text that he fought back or anything like that, right? So, uh, verse eight, Abraham said, "God, or let me read, let me back to verse seven. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, "My father," and he said, "Here I am, son." He said, "Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering?" Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there, laid wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or anything or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God, seeing you have withheld your son, your only son from me. And Isaac's probably like, "Woo! all right. And Abraham, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now, there's so much in this story that parallels the cross, isn't there? I mean, as I was going through this again, I caught things that only my mind maybe would catch. But did you notice that there was two men with them? There was two men that came with them. I immediately thought about the two men that were, you know, the two thieves that were next to Christ on the cross. And just all of these different things, this whole story is there. And I'm thinking, how did the Jews miss this? Like, how did they not grab a hold of this stuff that was clearly like they should have grabbed a hold of it? But they didn't. But Abraham was told to do what I know none of us probably could. I mean, how many of us would take our daughters or our sons and say, hey, come on, we're going to uh, we're going to go sacrifice to the Lord and cut the wood and get everything ready and then throw them up on the altar and tie them up so they can't fight or struggle or anything and then set them on fire or be ready to set them on fire and kill them. Could we do that? Abraham did that. And, you know, he, this story gets such a bad rap because people will use this story as and say, well, the Bible's cruel. Look what they were doing to children. Like, yeah, the world's got room to talk about what we do to children, right? Look at the state of the world today. But, no, this was paralleling something. It was showing us something. It was something that was going, he, he was showing, this is what I'm going to do in the future. I am going to provide my son. I'm going to provide my son as a sacrifice so that you don't have to do this anymore. And we're supposed to grab a hold and see that. But the Jews, they didn't grab a hold of it. And it just amazes me that they didn't. But the whole point of this was for them to see what God was going to do. And it's for us to see that a sacrifice was made. We no longer have to make that, that type of sacrifice. It was done for us. His blood was poured out. His blood was shed. And we talked about this last week. Sometimes that's one of those things that we grab a hold of it. Once we have it, we have an understanding, and then we think we're too smart for the simple things. We, we look at the blood as one of those, well, I know Jesus died for me. I got all that figured out. I'm moving on to deeper things. And we are supposed to move into deeper things, but your roots, your foundation of the faith, everything comes back to the blood of Jesus. We can never, ever forget that. We, you know, we have to go from milk to meat, but the blood is everything. The blood is one of those things that continues on in your walk with Christ. I don't know how many, I had some people kind of laugh at me. I'm a, I was going to tell this story next week, but I'm going to tell it now. I believe in pleading the blood of Jesus over your family, over your home. The first time I heard it, I thought people were nuts. You know, I, was, I wasn't exposed to it, right? And then I got it explained to me and understood it. So... 
few months back, there was supposed to be some bad storms coming, right? And they were headed right to Perryville. So I told the guy at work, I said, it's not going to happen. He's like, huh? I said, it's not going to happen. I said, my house will be fine. I'm going to walk out there, plead the blood of Jesus over my house, and I'm going to tell the storm to go around it. It has to pass over the blood. So hint for where we're going next week. The blood is a covering. But anyway, so I'm out there. Here comes the storm. The winds are blowing, and I can see it coming. I know it's coming. I just start praying and pointing at it and speaking in tongues, and lo and behold, that storm just goes right on around. And everybody's like, oh, that was just a coincidence, right? Well, I told the guy the next morning, he, yeah, that's what it was. And he was just like kind of looking at me, shaking his head. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, I told the storm where to go. It had to pass over the blood. So I believe that. I believe it. I believe we have that authority in the name of Jesus. He's given us that authority, and it's his blood that was shed for us. It is a covering, but today we're talking about how it's a sacrifice for us. But lost my spot anyway. It was to show us the sacrifice that was going to happen and that must happen. Now, whether it's an animal or a person, when a life is given, it's always a sacrifice, right? When a life is, when, when, when they would take the, the animal and put it on the altar, that was a sacrifice from the animal, and we were making the sacrifice to the Lord. But Jesus gave his life, and that became the sacrifice. So in this story, Isaac never fought it, neither. At least we don't read that he fought it, but... I I can't personally see somebody going, all right, Lord, I'll just lay down here. Whatever you want, Dad, it's cool. You know, set the fire. I'm cool. It's no big deal. I can't see him doing that. But I want you to think about something, though. He didn't fight. It doesn't say that he fought. It doesn't say that he tried to really talk him out of it. He was just like, hey, where's the, where's the sacrifice at, Dad? And it made me think about Jesus. What did Jesus do? He never fought it. He never tried to get out of it. The only thing he said was, Lord, if there be another way, let this cup pass for me. But if it's not, let your will be done. And that, when I read that about Isaac, I'm thinking he's got complete trust in his father. And what did Jesus have? He had complete trust in his father. There's so much in the story that it was such a sacrifice that Jesus did for us that we overlooked that so much. And I know that I do. We've got to stop overlooking that because it's the most powerful thing in the Bible. It's what the Christians, if we can't grab a hold of it and understand the authority that he has given us in his name and through what he did by shedding his blood on the cross, that's, the, that's where the power is at. It's not in me. It's nothing that I can do or it's nothing that Devin or Pastor Trent or anybody can do. The power is in the blood. I miss that song. I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing it, but y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's power, power, wonder-working power, that one. Okay, y'all don't want me here seeing sing that. So, But Jesus never fought it either. He knew what God required of him. Now, I, can, I, I can't even imagine what he was going through. One of the Gospels says he was sweating blood, and we know that that's a, a medical thing. But he was through so much tremendous stress and in, in anguish that he was literally sweating blood. But he did it anyway. Father, have your way. Can you imagine? I can't, I, I can't even fathom it. He never fought it. But for Isaac, a ram was prepared. But for us, Jesus was prepared. Jesus, we talked about this last week, that this was something that was, it, it wasn't just 
God created man and they lived for a while and they made sacrifices. And then one day God said, you know what? This, I don't really want no more animals. I'm tired of all the goats and all this stuff. Um, Hey, Jesus, you know, it wasn't like that. It was something that was, it was from the beginning of time. This was the plan. This was what was going to happen. He knew in advance that this was going to happen. It was planned out. You were planned out. He knew you before you were in your mother's room. This whole whole thing was planned out way in advance. The devil doesn't even stand a chance, guys. And we've got to begin to, we've got to look at that. We've got to realize that this God that we serve, this creator that we serve, he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And we got to start living that way. I serve a God that knows everything. Why am I worried about what I got to do tomorrow? I have a God that would send his only son to be a sacrifice for me. That's how much he loves me. And I'm worried about so-and-so that thinks that I'm this, that, or the other thing. He sacrificed everything for us. Don't you think we ought to live that way? Let's look at Colossians 1 verse 20, and it says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This act of sacrifice brought all things back to him. The barrier that had been there, this barrier of sin that had been there because of Adam and Eve, this act, this sacrifice, this blood spilling that Jesus did, it brought everything back into him. The barrier was no longer there. Now there's a, there's a way. You can have direct access. Isn't that amazing? We can talk directly to God. We can go boldly before the throne, amen? We can do that. We're told to do that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 through 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Only one thing must happen for man to get to God. And I'm not. There's one mediator between God and man, and it's not Mary. Okay? It's the man Christ Jesus. He is the only mediator. He is the only way that you can get to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father except through him. So there's only one thing that has to happen in order for us to get to the Father, and that is to receive the free gift of salvation. It doesn't get any easier than free, does it? I have a saying in my house. Sometimes I will get some some free things here and there, and I always say, if it's free, it's for me. Because I like free stuff. Who doesn't like free stuff, right? I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. Even if it's not something you want, it was still free. <laughs> you can give it to somebody else for free, right? That may want it or may like it. So it's a free gift of salvation. His blood literally paved the way for us to get to the Father. So we have redemption and we have been redeemed. Isn't that a great thing? That we have redemption, we've been redeemed, we now have hope where there was no hope. We talked a little bit last week about that hope that we have, and we looked a little bit back at our lives pre-Christ. Y'all remember your life pre-Christ, right? And even in Christ, how you still, you, you struggled, and see, I wasn't one of those when I got saved, everything, God just took everything, and I was perfect Christian, that was not me, okay? And that's still, that's still not me. I still struggle 
but see that that that's the kind of the the key right there but we look back at our lives and we say wow i used to be this way the world is still look that's what the world sees they don't see the hope they can't see what we see they're like we were back when i was a kid growing up you know they don't they don't they they can't see they don't see the hope they don't see that Christ is the answer all right now as they see is what the news is telling them and how bad things are and how bad things are going to get and the price of food and you know everything going up it's it's going to get worse it's going to get worse it's going to get worse right are we not being fed that every single day i refuse to believe that it's going to constantly get worse and worse and worse and if it does jesus will come back so it's going to get better one way or the other He's either going to make things better and he's going to save America or the end is upon us and we're all going to go to heaven if we know Christ. Either way, it's a win-win for us. That's our hope. We have hope in him that the world does not have. Hmm. All because the blood and his forgiveness according to his riches that he, which he pours out on us, making known the mystery of his will. They should have known that they should have known Jesus when he showed up. They really should have known because they had, I mean, we, we've went through the scriptures, I don't know how many times, you know, here, we, you know, talking about Isaiah 53 and all the different passages that predict Christ. They should have known, but they were in pride. They didn't want it to be him because they would have to change the way that everything was done. So they didn't want it. And what, the whole thing is strange to me because they wanted the very thing that had to happen, which for, was for him to be killed. The sacrifice that had to happen. They made it happen. They wanted him dead. They wanted him crucified. I mean, they're out there yelling, crucify him. Do you think they would have been yelling, crucify him, if they really, really would have known who he was? But it had to happen. They just didn't understand the scriptures. They were looking for this conquering Messiah that's going to come in and overthrow all of Rome and... We're going to, you know, he's going to kill all the Romans and kill all the, all the Gentiles and all the bad and everything. And Israel's going to rise again. That's what they were looking for. And it didn't happen that way. He came as a lamb. He came to be slaughtered. Oh, but he's coming back. He's coming back like a lion. And that's what we got to be ready for. That's why we have to understand what we're talking about tonight. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of Christ. But see, we have to exercise it. We have to use it. He's given us authority to do it, but we sit around defeated, don't we? A lot of churches are sitting around defeated. COVID defeated 99% of the churches, I think. I sat at home, bored out of my mind wishing I could go to church and then when I went back to church I'm like this ain't church I can't sit there I can't sit I have to sit six seats away from somebody else and I like no this ain't church we were defeated because we didn't understand the covering we didn't understand the sacrifice oh I get it I know what he did do you I mean do we really get it because it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper doesn't it just whenever you think that you've got something in the scriptures figured out and you've got it, guess what? There's about 80 more layers you've still got to peel off like an onion. Ah. They should have seen these prophecies and the parallels in the word, but they were blind and they had him killed. They didn't see the parallels. They didn't want to see him. 
He didn't come that the way the way that they wanted to. It was a plan for all time to unite all things to him. Isn't that amazing? This whole thing was about bringing us back to him. That's it. God doesn't love me. He doesn't know all the, you don't know all the stuff I've done. I hate when people say that. I'm like, yeah, you're so much worse of a sinner than everybody else in the world, right? It doesn't matter if I know what you've done. God knows what you've done, and God knows what I've done. And I know what a lot of people in here have done, and I know what a lot of people out there have done, and I know they're forgiven. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make what we did right or any less wrong. It just doesn't matter to God now because you've been, it's been washed away. Isn't that amazing? Just gone. Just like that. The moment you receive that free gift of salvation, it's just like, the weight's gone, isn't it? And you know what? I think about my salvation experience. I was young. I was 13, I think. And I'm thinking, Lord, I really didn't have that much on my shoulders at 13. Like, what was what was I saved from? But then you start thinking about all of the things that you would have done if you wouldn't have been saved. That's what you were saved from. You were saved from the mess that you would have gotten into. And I, 13, I did plenty of stuff wrong. And after that, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the blood and that sacrifice. Can you imagine a church united? Can you? Can you imagine a church? I'm talking about a whole, the whole body of Christ united with one goal of reaching people for Jesus. Can you imagine? I can't even fathom it. You know why? Because the moment you try to do it, somebody's going to step up and say, yeah, well, we can do that, but, but I'm going to, Pastor so-and-so is going to be in charge. Just like that, it's ruined. It's gone. Because the moment that you have to be in charge, no, Jesus no longer is. You've stepped into the flesh, and Jesus can't, he can't have free reign no more. We need to come together, number one, and stop bashing different denominations and stop, y'all ready for this? We got to stop making it about the denomination. I really don't, I've, I've preached in all different kinds of denominations. And I, I, I don't care. Me personally, I look at it like this. I wish we could get back to the book of Acts. There was no Baptist. There was no, sorry, Catholics. There was no Catholics. There was no Lutherans. There was, there was nothing. It was the body of Christ. It was the early church. And they were figuring out how to get things done. But you know what they did because of this sacrifice? You know what they did? They brought everything they had, and they shared everything. Every dollar they had. Everybody had to, everybody had food, everybody had what they needed. People would sell land and they, they would do what they needed to make sure everybody was fed and took care of and was able to hear the gospel. That's it. Can you imagine if we could do that today? There would be no homeless in Jackson and Cape. There wouldn't be one homeless person. We could think the abortions that we could stop, the 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 witchcraft that we could stop the things that we could stop if the church would come together under the banner of what christ did and that's it sadly i don't know that'll ever happen unless it's a move and a miracle of god and that's going to be the only way it happens because people cannot get out of their flesh they it's got to be about me it's got to be about pastor trenton it's got to be about pastor see that that's how people think 
Well, I know that church is going to do it this way, and we don't do things that way. Don't care. <laughs> Let's just come together and worship and see what happens. We've done that, and look what happens. We see people's legs grow out. We see people heal. We see people's blind eyes open. We see these things take place. We see miracles. Uh, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Gifts of God manifest in people's lives where they've never manifested before that way. God opens things up in people's lives they never thought they would do for him. All because you get together and you just worship. I'm getting off track. I don't even know what time it is. 8 o'clock. Okay. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons... With the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the uh, eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? For thousands of years, different religions all the way back, even the Jews, they sacrificed, didn't they? They sacrificed in really sick ways sometimes because some of these well fallen angel gods is really what they were, were fallen angels. They required, that's where abortion come from, they required babies. And these women would take their newborn babies and they would throw them on this thing and the babies would sit there and sizzle and cook and die. They'd burn to death. And they would throw, uh, I can't remember what, God, it was one of those bull gods. Somebody help me out if you know what I'm talking about. But they would throw him in this thing. They heat it up real good, and they throw a man inside of it, and he would basically cook from the inside. And the smoke would come out the horns, and as he was in there going screaming for pain, it would sound like this thing was making noise, like a bull or a goat, whatever it was. I can't remember what it was now. But y'all probably know what I'm talking about. But this is the sick stuff that took place in the past. Now, just to talk about sacrificing animals on an altar to God or whatever, they've been doing it for years and years and years and years and years. <clears throat> now, the, <clears throat> excuse me, they can't make sacrifices right now. They have no temple. They can't make sacrifices. That all stopped at a really strange time right after Jesus came. And see, they don't comprehend that. In 70 A.D., the temple was destroyed. It was torn down just shortly after the time of Christ. And that temple worship style was done. It's gone. It never came back. They cannot have forgiveness for their sins because, one, they, re they have rejected the sacrifice that was made, and they can't make sacrifices. So what do they do? How do they have their sins forgiven? Oh, well, we pray. Well, that's not it. It's not enough. A sacrifice is required, and they know it, and they don't have an answer for it because they will not accept Jesus. It was no longer us that made a sacrifice, but it was God that made the sacrifice. For thousands of years, it was us making the sacrifice, and then one day it all changed. God made the sacrifice. A once-for-all sacrifice that would change the world forever. Hebrews uh, 10, verse 19 through 22. Lots of scripture. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and the living way that he opened up for us. Amen. Through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great 
priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I must be working hard up here. My watch is saying great workout. So what's the point? What's the point, right? Why does the sacrifice matter? Well, what Christ accomplished through his sacrifice has given you the only thing you really need. Forgiveness. And I would bet that if you were to get everybody in this world to sincerely answer a question, they would say that the one thing they would want would be forgiveness. If you really got them to break down and to speak with you, you know, not be prideful and condescending and all that stuff like the world tends to be, I would bet you a million dollars they would say, I just wish I could have forgiveness. And really, guys, that's where we come into play. Those are the conversations we're looking for. Because when somebody walks through these doors, and I said this last week, I gave a word up here that we're entering into a time of great forgiveness. Because there is something, I don't know what it is, there is something going to take place. And God is going to move, and I feel it in my spirit so much. His forgiveness is going to fall on churches all over the place. People are going to come flock into churches, and they are going to want what we got. And we have got to be ready for it. That's why we're in this time of training here. God is teaching us so many things, and we're seeing things take place. He's showing us how to handle things. But there is a time coming when people will walk through that door in tears because of what they're seeing and the things that's taking place and how they're hurting, and they just want Jesus. Are you going to be ready to share that sacrifice with them? Hmm. Your sins, your past, it can all be washed away if you receive the free gift that was bought and paid for. And that's the gift of salvation. And we, we, we know that. I don't know if everybody out there knows that, but there's people coming. And that's what this is all about, is to get us to understand the power of the blood. If we don't believe it and we don't understand it, how in the world are we ever going to share it with somebody and tell them, hey, that person that you murdered or the, the children that you hurt or the whatever the drunk driver or whatever you know if you were a drunk driver and you hurt somebody in a car whatever it is because there's all different kinds of things that bring pain to people how are we ever going to share that with somebody that sacrifice if we don't understand it we can say we're saved but do you really understand what that means you can say i've received salvation or I've, i know what that sacrifice is but do you can you break it down for somebody are you ready to do that Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. I want to read that again. Let us then find confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. When Christ died, everything changed on earth and in the spirit realm go read go go read matthew and find out what happened when the resurrection happened and the graves opened up and all the dead people walking around that's crazy right i always thought that was so cool as a kid that's what got me into scripture was reading about jesus casting out demons and all of this stuff like man that's crazy i mean it got it drew me into the bible but there's so many cool things that have happened. You go, go, just go read and go explore in the scriptures. When Christ died, everything on earth changed, and it changed in the spirit realm. 
He conquered it. Busted hell wide open, I think. <laughs> I, I, bet, I, I bet every demon was just trembling in fear because they're like, oh, didn't see that happening. Yeah, they thought that... Can, can you? I mean, Satan wanted them gone. The demons wanted them gone. And then when he's dead, they're like, oh, yay. Three days later, they're like, oh, that was a mistake. He got us. <laughs> That's not cool. You know, one of, the, one of those moments. When he died, everything changed. One of the cool things that changed was authority was given to the disciples. We're the disciples now. I don't believe for a second that the gifts have passed on and they're no longer available to the church. I don't believe that for a second. It's for now. If the authority is for now, then I think all that's for now, too. And you can't, you would never convince me because I've seen it. I'm sorry. I've seen it. I've seen healing. I've seen gifts manifest in people. I've seen it. Authority was given to us to use the name in prayer and in casting out. Demons would flee and demons would tremble at his name, and it still happens all the time. I remember when me and Pastor Trenton were young, we'd go have prayer meetings, and people probably thought we were nuts. But we'd see stuff, shadows and different things like that. We'd just rebuke it, and guess what happened? It's gone. We just kept on praying. You know, there, people don't understand that, but it, it's around us. This spirit realm is around us. It's not like this thing that's just a million miles away. It's right here. That's why you get attacked, because the spirit realm is that close. We just can't see it. We talked about that if months back when we talked about the the weapons and stuff like that but we've got to realize that everything's changed and he gave us that authority for the simple fact of we are in war he made the sacrifice so that we would be able to fight the blood of jesus is against you plead the blood of jesus over your family guard them why don't we do we do these things church do we do these things like we're supposed to be doing them As we go through this series, I'm almost done. My request to you is this, draw near to God, because I really think over the course of the next few weeks, he's going to reveal some things. I'm not saying that we don't know these things, but I'm, I'm thinking the whole point of this is to get them brought back up in our spirit. We know them, but we don't think about them. We know them, and sometimes we don't exercise them. Does that make sense? I think that's what the point of this is. I'm not up here telling you guys anything that you probably don't know. But this is something that is is stirring in me. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Recognize this. Get ready. Stuff's coming. Authority was given to us. We got to use it. Are you living like someone sacrificed their life for you? That's how I want to live. Are you living like someone sacrificed their life for you? Because they did. How are you living? This isn't a condemning thing. This is God told me, hey, Brett, are you living like someone sacrificed their life for you? I'm like, whoa. Not all the time. But hey, that's the point. That's why we're here, right? It's so we can learn, so we grow. We grow with each other. We unite in Christ, right? We make those bold moves that we have to do. I'm going to say a few things. Y'all get mad if you want. 
But missing church, making excuses for why we don't go, why we don't do the right things, and blowing off your convictions, those are all things that we've got to work on. There's no excuse for not being able to come to church unless you just physically can't. And there are people like that. That's why there's online stuff now. And I'm not talking about, you know, if you're sick or well, I couldn't make it. I'm not talking about that. If you, if you are a blood-bought child of the king, you should want to be around fellow believers, and you should want to come and get fed, and you should want to worship, and you should want to fellowship. That's just you should want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, there's a problem. I really believe that. So it's time to live for the sacrifice. It's time to live for the sacrifice. And that means we got to live for Jesus. we got to make sure that our lives are a reflection of what he did. And if we're willing to do that, then guess what? We're going to change lives. Well, he's going to change lives, but he's going to use us to do it. So I asked the Lord how to end this because I'm like, Lord, how do I end a message like this? I've been rambling on now for probably 30, 45 minutes, whatever it's been. And this is so simple, and this is so Jesus, right? So I'm, I'm praying, Lord, what do I tell, what do, what do, how do I end it? What do I say? And he said, just tell them I love them. And, man, there's a message in that, isn't there? That's what the blood, that's what, he says, that's what this whole thing was about. And that's when it clicked. I'm like, tell them you love them. They know that you love them. But he says, no, that's what this whole, everything I did was about them. Now you feel it, don't you? It gives me cold, chill spirits on me. He only did it because he loved me. Mm. I I don't deserve that. Everything, the cross and the blood, it was all about love. Over, overcoming, the conquering, over, you know, just defeating the enemy, it's all about love. Not some fake, false, made-up love with rainbows and all of that stuff that's flying around out there today. That ain't love. And the reason, I'm going to get off track, but the reason they're pushing so hard to make that love is because they've never felt real love. They don't, they're searching for love, and they don't know where it's at. They can't find it. Come on, guys. It's us. It's a sacrifice that he did, and we've got to share that with him. You've got to share that with the world. Love is under attack these days, but the love he has for us can never be questioned, and it can never be destroyed. Accept the sacrifice, repent, and come back home if that's you. If you need to repent and come back home, come back home. Because there's a church, hopefully, that's going to, and we will, we'll be here, arms wide open, no judgment. Don't have to tell us what you did. You just have to repent before God. That's it. You don't have to tell me what you've done. Unless you want, you can. But that's it. It's as simple as that, and I'm done. And here's how simple it is. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you you make it too simple. But the gospel is simple. It's not hard. We make the gospel so hard, and it's not. Oh, the church will fall in if I walk in there. Then I'll come outside and lead you to the Lord. Then you can come on in. That's as simple. And here it is. You You simply ask him to come into your life. You confess and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you. I acknowledge you. 
come into my life. And you could do, it's as simple as saying, Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know that you died for me, and I know that you rose three days later. I ask you to come into my life, make me clean, and make me pure in your eyes. Come and live in my heart, and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. It's that simple. If you meant it. If you didn't mean it, all you did was speak a bunch of words. If you meant it, it's there for you. You can have it. You can grab a hold of it. You can run with it and get a Bible, and you can start to understand it. Get into a church. Find a friend that you know is a Christian. Tell them what you did, and don't look back because the world ain't got nothing for you. I guarantee you. There's, a, there's people in this room right now that will tell you the world has got nothing for you but a bunch of heartache and a bunch of pain, and it's not worth it. So I'm going to close out with that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in online. We greatly appreciate it. God bless, and we will see you next time.